Here we are with Nick Stauskas. Nick, the one thing I feel like because you are my connection to the NBA and a lot of people always ask me, like, how's Nick doing? Because they know we talk and they're like, how's Nick doing? What's Nick up to? You know, what's his story? Uh, so that was my biggest thing was I was always just like, listen, like Nick's doing his thing. Nick's just had a baby. I'm always covering you know, those tracks, because there's a lot of things that people don't really know. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I never know how deep to get with people, especially when it's other people's business. I'm like, no, he's, he's cool. Got a, got a baby. You know, end of story. I don't really dive too deep into other people's lives. Uh, so I kind of just let, you know, let them tell the story, but you know, you had such a great season. You were with Boston uh, and, you know, in the NBA finals and, you know, you're you're doing the dad thing now which is like my favorite thing because we talk a lot about you know i have the children and and daughters and you know you you're on that dad life now you got the the little baby girl it's the best yeah. thing in the world girl girl dad what can i say who who would have dunk it man but yeah no it's been it's been such a blessing um we found out it was right around christmas of 2021 um that you know that my wife was pregnant and um you know we had already been married for over a year and so we were like all right it's time to grow up time to do this thing and obviously at first we were like a little scared and overwhelmed but as time went on and like the, you know she was getting closer to giving birth like it turned more into excitement and like you know you just can't wait to like meet your daughter and like see what she looks like see what her personality is and and all those different kind of things so um no nah, man it's been it's been so much fun she turned 10 weeks uh on monday so like obviously still in the like newborn phase where you know diapers throwing up bottles oh, yeah. sleep like that's that's the that's the like routine that we're in but, but um just having those like little moments so far of like when she gives you the smile or when mm -hmm. like you know she's just like figuring things out like she's figuring out what her hands are like each of those new things that happen every day they're always so exciting and then you know we were talking the other day and like your girls are on the court practicing and stuff and i'm like that's those are for sure the times i'm like super excited for to like you know to teach and to to you know help them through those things find what they love encourage them um all those good things so a lot to look forward to but man it's been it's been so much fun right now it is funny thinking back to those weak times. I remember those times when you're just like, oh, they're 10 weeks. They're th and those little milestones were so important. Now I'm like, live, like, grow the fuck up. Stop acting like you're six years old. You're 10. And, you're, and I'm like, wait, you're 10. Okay, you're 10. It's just like you, as they get older, you start losing track of that, mm -hmm. uh, of that time. But uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, I love, I think back and, and, I thought the same thing. I was just like, it's going to be so awesome when they start kind of going and developing. And I always said, like, Liv's starting to develop my personality. And she's got, she was rooting hard for the Phillies this year. She was rooting hard. She's rooting hard for USA. I got my USA nice. uh, soccer. Canada, play, wait, Canada plays today, uh, in a little bit, right? I heard, yeah. I don't know who they who they play, but I did hear that I think they have their first game today. So yeah, be it's going to be fun. Yeah. So you just uh, right now, we were talking a little bit before you came on, before you, you know, we actually started recording about everything that happened over the past six months of your life and what a whirlwind it's been. Take us yeah. through those past six months. Yeah, super crazy. So like for a lot of people that don't know the story, basically last season, um, well, first of all, summer, you know, rewind to summer 2021, you know, that's when we were first introduced to each other. And um, pretty much throughout the whole, you know, August, September, leading into October, um, you know, you were you were in the trenches with me every day going through it, trying to get ready for the season. And I had committed to um, go to training camp with the Denver Nuggets and then eventually um, get assigned to their G League team, which is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so um, it was my first time kind of like committing to a full, you know, year in the G League. And from what I had heard from a lot of people, like it's a grind. It's like not always, you know, you know, glitz and glamour and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was just mentally preparing for like, you know, a long journey ahead, but also, 
just knowing where I was like physically and mentally, like just feeling confident that like, if I did what I was supposed to do, that I would get an opportunity to, to play somewhere in the NBA at some point throughout the year. And so, you know, the year started, got a couple call-ups um, in December when all that COVID madness was going on. So I got a 10 day with Toronto and then 10 day with Miami. And then after those 10 days happened and the teams kind of recouped all their, you know, their sick players, uh, I kind of was just like back in the G League at the start of, you know, January. And so the G League season goes until, you know, I think like the first week of April. And so January, February comes along, I'm grinding it out and, you know, felt like I was putting up pretty, pretty good numbers, had some great games. And there was just still like really no traction anywhere in terms of like getting a call up. And so March came around. I remember it was March 1st. And keep in mind, Grand Rapids, Michigan, this is uh, this is not a place that you go and vacation like no. I mean, got so much love for Michigan, obviously, as as, you know, a University of Michigan alumni, but um man grand rapids in the winter that was somewhat of a depressing place to be like fresh coat of snow on the ground every day like talking minus 10 minus 15 when you wake up in the morning um and you tack that along with like the g league schedule of like man you're you're taking 6 a.m connection flights to sioux falls south dakota and then you're you know going to des moines iowa and all this stuff after um, it was, it had definitely taken a toll on me and, and keep in mind, my wife had moved out to Grand Rapids with me. She got a, she's an attorney. She got a job out there and everything. And so I remember March 1st came around and I was like up to here just with the whole year. Like I had given it my all and just felt like nothing was coming out of it. And so we were, we had a game in Grand Rapids, March 1st and March 2nd. And that morning of the March 1st game, I called my wife. She was at work. I was at um, our apartment in Grand Rapids and I called her and I was like, look, like, let's just pack our bags. Like I'm done. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm up to here with the whole thing. Like this just wasn't meant to be like, I'm ready. Like, you know, at this moment, at this time she was already pregnant. We knew we were having the baby. And I was just like, let's just go home, start getting our house ready for the baby. And like, we'll start our new chapter. And like, I'm done with basketball. And, um, she was like, obviously pretty upset with the whole thing. And she was like, look, there's four weeks left in the season. Like literally it's March 1st. All you have to do is make it until April 1st. There's four weeks left. And she was like, just see it through for this last month, give it your all. And like, if nothing comes of it after that month, like, all right, this summer you can, you can call it quits. And like, you know, it is, you know, it is what it is. We can move on, but you have to at least see it through. And she was like, she kind of hit me with this one. She was like, if you're not going to do it for me, not going to do it for yourself, then at least do it for the baby. And like, I was like thinking about it and I was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if my daughter were to ask me like how my career ended one day, like how would I explain that to her that I just like, I gave up in the middle of the season and just like called it quits. And like, the more I thought of it, I was like, man, kind of being a bitch right now. Like I gotta, <laughs> I was like, I gotta at least like see this last, you know, four weeks through. So Fast forward like five hours later, we play um, the Wisconsin herd in Grand Rapids and the game starts. And I think the first three possessions, they it was like dribble handoffs to me, kind of like on on each of the wings. And for some reason on their scouting report, they were going under the dribble handoffs with me. So I stopped behind, hit the first one, hit the second one, hit the third one. And so like 90 seconds into the game. I had nine points, three threes, like hadn't hit the rim yet. And so I'm like, all right, I got it going today. Now, keep in mind, I didn't I didn't really say this. Like after this kind of like heart to heart conversation with my wife, I took my pregame nap that day and just mentally was kind of like. If I'm ready to walk away from the game that I've like loved and played for 20 years, if I'm like at that point, like what? Like, what do I have to worry about anymore? Like, just go out there and just like, let your nuts hang, like, just mm -hmm. go and just do you like no second thoughts, no, 
no nothing just like go hoop and we'll and whatever happens happens and so coming into this game i just had this like mentality where i was like i don't fucking care like mm-hmm. i don't care what happens i don't care if i make miss nothing and so game starts and i'm starting to hit and you know three makes turns into five makes turns into seven makes and all of a sudden 13 i think 13 minutes into the game i had 35 and i was i was 13 for 13 from the field or something like that hadn't missed and i remember they called a timeout and i was like on the bench and i was sitting there and i'm like what is going on right now <laughs> this is like the sequence of events was like too it was like so crazy the way the timing of it and like how my mindset had changed and then all of a sudden this result was coming to me and so I was like, all right, let's just keep, you know, just keep going with it. Like, let's see this game through. Like, let's, let's win this game. Finish the game. We get the win. Had 57, uh, which was the best game I think I've ever played. Like, my entire, I don't think I've ever had 11 threes, which is probably the most threes I've had in a game. Like, most points. Every, from, like, top to bottom, it was the best game I've ever played. And so the just... After the game, the overwhelming amount of like support from like friends, family, like my agent, everyone's like, holy shit, where did that come from? Because like I had been playing well all year, like averaging over 20, you know, shooting pretty well from three. But like I just hadn't had an eruption like that. And so everyone was like, damn, like whatever you're doing, like keep it up. And so I remember my agent called me after the game and he was like, well, I'll tell you this, you got everyone's attention after that. And keep in mind, we had a back-to-back. So the next day, we had another game in Grand Rapids against uh, the Lakeland Magic, which is Orlando's G League team. So my agent was like, hey, man, like people are watching. Like, make sure you follow it up with a good game. And so fast forward 24 hours later, game starts. And same situation, like I think four or five minutes into the game, I was five for five from the field and like had a quick had a quick 12 points and so now i'm like i'm like all right it's it's just i it's my time like like some people just get in a rhythm and it's like their game and i was like these 20 this 24 hour period this is just my time so i'm just gonna take full advantage and i'm just gonna be super aggressive and just go for a kill like and that was my mentality like i'm just going to kill and so that game finished had 43 we got the win um and i think i had nine threes that game so in total 24 hours 100 points 23s and like just a crazy situation and then again after that game the overwhelming amount of like friends family agent everyone reaching out being like dude what has gotten in <laughs> kind of thing and i'm like i don't know man like kind of just a crazy i don't know like i don't know how this all came together but it did and then sure enough, like the next morning, we had the day off because back to back, normally you play back to back games next day, completely off, no practice, anything. So like I was exhausted, keep in mind, because I like really gave it my all those two games. And so I woke up to my agent calling me at like 8 a.m. And he was like, I got Brad Stevens on the other line. The Celtics are giving you a two year deal. And I just like, dude, oh I my just God. I just like broke down crying one because I was so happy that I like finally broke through. And not only it wasn't like a 10 day, which is what I was hoping for. Like I just wanted to get another 10 day. Yeah. So let like to get that call and be like, you got a two year deal. And then at that time too, the Celtics were like the hottest team in the league, like knew that I was going to have a chance to go to the finals. It was just such a like whole shift in 48 hours. Like my life took a complete turn and I was so emotional about all, like so happy. And it was like tears of joy, but then also it was tears like, holy shit. What, (laughs) like, like the sequence of events of like being ready to walk away from the game, having like two of my best games ever, and then getting a two year deal the following morning. And then like literally being on the next flight to Boston to go sign with the team and like play. So it was just, it was such a crazy, it was such a low to such a high. And I remember turning to my wife and being like, man, all those like dark days that we've had this year where I'm like just grinding and being like, when's it, you know, when's my time coming? Like you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, man, that 
that one phone call, like the feeling of like getting that deal made it all worth it. Like it was uh -huh. like one of the happiest moments of my life. And so, yeah, you, I mean, end up, end up finishing the year with the Celtics. We go all the way to the finals and still like, you know, I was out of the rotation. Like I came in, the team was balling. So like, I kind of knew from the start um, this year, that year, at least I wasn't going to get much of an opportunity, but on a two-year deal, I was hoping that the following year coming into training camp, I could like earn my spot, whatever, and hopefully play a little bit more. But regardless, I'm like, dude, we're in the finals. I'm trying to win a ring. Like I was in, Grand Rapids <laughs> in the G league three months ago. And then now I'm going up against Steph Curry and these guys going like going up against one of the all-time dynasties with a chance to win a ring. So like, um, I'm still so bummed that we dropped the ball on that because I look back to it and we were up 2-1 game four mm -hmm. in Boston. And I think we were up a couple of points with like three minutes left. And like, if we win game four in Boston and go up 3-1, like there's no way we don't win that series. Like we're yeah. winning one of the next three games. And I'll tell you what, man, Steph, that game four in Boston, Steph was just like, it was unbelievable. And it like, like, you know, we're all talented players, but it really like, that was like one of those performances where it like puts things into perspective where you're like, there's some of these guys that are just on, they're just on another level, man. Like his confidence, his conditioning, his like just the pure skill that he put on display in like the most hostile environment like TV <laughs> guarding was rocking and like every single shot he hit you could just like you could just hear the crowd and like the energy just being sucked out of the building and so um you know unfortunate that we weren't it was so unfortunate that we weren't able to pull that one out because I mean it would have been a hell of a finish to a year to, to kind of cap it off with the ring yeah but that's what happens when you run into one of the all-time greats, man. They they just they they have different they have different plans. So um, I definitely tip my hat to to Steph and, and the Warrior Squad because they they sure as hell earned that one. They sure as hell did. And I know playing, you always see that. But you really when when I talk to you, uh, we we talked in the middle of the finals. And you told me that, like, his endurance is on another level. And I always see him running off screens. But then when you actually stop and when the, you're, the game's going on, you're, you know, you're playing a game, you don't realize what other people are doing as much when you're actually on the court. And then when you're watching, you're kind of watching everything. But after I talked to you, I watched him, like, went back and watched the replay, and I watched him every single possession. And he does not stop. Like, his... He doesn't stop moving, and everyone always says this, but not only does he not stop moving, but he doesn't stop moving at a, such a quick pace. Like, his jog through the lane is is normal people's sprints, and it's yeah. just his conditioning is is wild to be able to do that, and that's what people, they'll look at him like his shooting, but I think the conditioning is really his biggest attribute because he's a great shooter, obviously, but in able to get all of these shots up and get himself open the way he does, because he's not the tallest player. Oh. I mean, 6'2", 6'3". So it's so impressive. So when you told me that, I remember I watch him now. Every single game, I watch him. I watch how he moves because it's such a – it's one of those things that you'll look back on and be like, I watched him play. And you'll be able to you're, – you're right there on the court. Like, you're right there watching Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. What a What a cool story. Like you said – to tell your daughter that's yeah. that's that's a great way and it was and and to put things in a perspective like we were in boston like in terms of numbers like we were by far the best defensive team like that was kind of our blueprint was like we locked up and you know marcus smart was the defensive player of the year we had robert williams who was like also a candidate for defensive player of the year and like just one through five, our ability to like switch and like, you know, now, you know, now Jason Tatum's on you. Now Jalen Brown's on you. Now Al Horford's on you. Now Grant Williams is on you. Like we just had so many, you know, Derek, uh, Derek White. We had so many good defenders on that team. And when it like really put things in perspective was like game five, game six, like I could just see we were like on just on a little bit more of a downwards trajectory, like everyone was banged up. Everyone was mm -hmm. exhausted. And like, 
Marcus Smart was just like fighting like a dog to just chase Steph around and bump him and like be physical. And like, that's another thing you mentioned, like Steph's not just running around. He's running around while people are bumping him, like stopping him in his line. And then you have to run through that. It's not like he's just jogging around. Like it's, <laughs> it is through contact. And like, I remember in game six, like off the ball, I remember Marcus Smart, he was like, he was so tired that he was almost trying to like, he's trying to like take a charge off the ball and like draw a foul because he just like, I don't think he had the energy to just chase anymore. He was like, I got to do, you know, like I got to try <laughs> something else. Like I got to just get a foul, get, slow the game down something. And it was, it was just one of those things. Like you're not slowing him down. I remember games, the game six, um they they kind of opened the game up they're up like 15 17 points something like that and uh Draymond kind of flipped it to Steph as he was running over half on the left wing and Steph pulled up from like 35 hit it timeout up 20 and we were all kind of it was kind of like one of those ones like ah shit like this might be over (laughs) and that was when Steph walked back and he started like pointing to his ring finger and it I get from for me it was just one of those moments where you're like you got to appreciate greatness mm-hmm. see it. and that's just that he's one of those guys where he's he's that good and that special so hats off to him man he he's an incredible incredible player people people are saying he's slowing down which i don't see uh, he's I, I, personally i think he's having his best i think he's yeah. having one of his best years yet <laughs> like his efficiency numbers are off the charts right now like it's insane people just get and the same thing with LeBron. People get used to seeing yep. and then they get bored of it. I'm like, don't forget that what you're seeing has never been done. Just because you've seen him do it now for like eight years in a row, don't get bored with it. You have to appreciate these kind of players when they come around because it's not it's not often. And you talk about that. The 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 last day, I mean, people did the same thing with Jordan. Everyone hated Jordan by the end of his career, but then everyone watched the last dance and everyone appreciated you know what he did now that he was gone from the game you you really miss it and you you hit it on the head i mean that's people get bored of things but then when they're gone you yeah. realize how what the opportunity that you had to watch that anytime you wanted to every day you were able to yeah. watch him live that's so cool yeah so you you finish out the year with the celtics i know you know we had talked at the summer and stuff and then Malcolm, what was it? Malcolm Brogdon. That was yeah. the that was the trade. That was the trade. It, and it was again the season finished, and I was bummed, but also at the same time, like just excited for what was to come after, and um, excited to like come back to the team. Because for me, my, one of my biggest issues throughout my career is I've been on the move so much that I've almost never been able to finish a season with the team and then come back to this, you know, come back and, and be with the same coaches, the same players, like same teammates and have some kind of familiar familiarity every year for me has just been like, I'm always with new team, new coaches, new, new, new teammates. And it's like never allowed me to get fully comfortable and fully like into a system. So for me, I'm like, all right, going to come back with Boston next year and it's going to be, you know, we're, we're going to win a championship. Like we're going to bring it back. And now this time I'm going to be a part of this. Like I'm going to come into camp. I'm going to grind all summer. I'm going to earn my spot on this team Going to earn some minutes and I'm going to be a part of something special. And so July 1st came around and I got a call. I just finished working out at the gym. I got a call from Brad Stevens and I just knew like, july 1st the like it's like day two it's like basically day one of free agency and brad stevens is calling my phone i'm like something just happened so i answered and he was like hey what's going on how are you and then he kind of broke the news he was like so i I gotta let you know we just made a trade and um you know we're sending you to indiana now when he said that at first i was like oh like (sighs) Because TJ, my my best friend TJ McConnell is on the Pacers. So at first I was kind of like, oh shit, me and TJ are about to be reunited. So I was kind of like excited. But at the same time, I'm like, I was bummed because 
I just wanted to be with that group again. And keep in mind, like that Celtics team was like my all time favorite team I've played for. Like the chemistry, the vibes were incredible all year. Coaching staff, great. Like didn't have anything bad to say about anyone within that organization. So I was truly excited to be back with that group. And so when the news broke to me, like when he broke the news to me, you know, let me know I was going to Indiana. I was, it was, it was bittersweet. And I was trying to look on the positive side, be like, all right, well, maybe I'll be reunited with TJ and stuff. And then, you know, I get off the phone with Brad and my agent calls me and he goes, hey, so like, because the trade was so lopsided, like basically the Celtics got Brogdon and then the Pacers received six players in return. And so just from just from a roster um, point of view, you can't have more than 15 players and when the trade was completed, the Pacers now had like 20. And so my agent was like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like if they're going to make more trades or what they're going to do. But he was like, he goes, you're not, he, you're not going to be in Indiana. You're either going to get waived or traded. And so now it's like starting to set into me, set in where I'm like, all right, shoot. Like now I'm really like kind of, I don't know where I'm going again. Like I'm kind of back in this like, it's out of my hands situation, which it's super stressful, you know, especially when you throw in like the family and the baby and all this different kind of stuff. And so the, um, the Pacers end up waving me. Um, and I'd say like the only positive I could take from it was that, you know, they had to, they had to guarantee my salary for like the, for the next season. So I was like, all right, at least I'm, I'm going to get paid by them. But from a basketball standpoint, I'm like right back to square one. Now I'm a free agent again. And my agent was like, I don't really have anything for you yet. Like, I don't have any teams that are really like stepping up and saying, you know, we want to bring you in and we're excited about you and this and that. And so I try to keep my faith all, all summer long, like continuing to train, continue to grind in the gym, um, just trying to be ready when September comes around. And if there was any opportunity for me to pursue you know, I wanted to be able to pursue it. And when September came around, my agent still had pretty much nothing for me. Like my, you know, my only option, my only real option was um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They offered me an exhibit 10 deal, which is what I signed with Denver the year before. It's basically an invite to training camp. And keep in mind the the Timberwolves had 15 players on their roster already. So you know, I talked with the GM. He goes like, you know, there's no, pretty much no chance for you to make the team in training camp. You would be coming to training camp as a formality to then be cut and then sent to our G League team, which was the Iowa Wolves in Des Moines, Iowa. And that was the only offer I had. Like I had nothing else. And so it was it was a tough pill for me to swallow. But my daughter was born on September 12th. Um, and that was right around the time where almost everyone's reporting back to their team for like, you know, the weeks leading up to training camp. And I just kind of, again, I was six months ago on the verge of walking away from the game. And when I got that call up from the Celtics, I told myself, I told my wife, I told my agent, I am never, I'm not going back to the G league. Like mm -hmm. I have, moved. I am an NBA level player. I've shown that. And so I believe in my worth and I'm only going to play at that level from this point on. And so mentally to be there and then to have to take that step back come September and be like, if I want to continue playing, I have to go back to the G League. It just it was something that just no longer interested me. Like I just again, the previous season, like you saw when we were in the gym, like I you have to have the desire every day to wake mm -hmm. up and grind and chase. And if you don't have that desire, you're going through the motions and you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve. And I know how hard I had to work to get that call up from the Celtics last year. And I don't know, mentally just coming back to that point, I just was real with myself. I was real with my wife, my agent, my family, everyone. I was like, I'm not only going to be wasting the team's time, but I'm going to be wasting my time, my family's time, 
by just going, I, I'd be going through the motions if I committed to doing the G League again, because I know I, I just wouldn't be, you know, I just wouldn't be a hundred percent two feet in. And so I had to make the, the difficult decision to pretty much like end my career that way, which again, it's tough because this summer you can even ask my wife, like I was coming home from the gym most days and being like, I'm, this is the best I've ever been. Like this is I'm mentally and physically like your late twenties. I feel like it comes together where, yeah. you know, when you're young, it's the physical, you're, you can just, you don't have to stretch. You don't have to warm up. You're just like ready to go every day, but you're not like all together there mentally yet. And the late twenties, that's, I feel like when most people hit their prime, because it yeah. kind of like the two collide and then you're like in this space where you can, you know, you feel like you're in more of a control of like what's happening out there, at least for me. And so uh, it was it was tough for me to walk away being in that place where I, you know, it's not like I can't play anymore. Like I very much can still play at that level. And so that was like that was really the toughest pill for me to swallow was like walking away from the game, being in that space. But at the same time, I can genuinely say this, which is like also a shock to me. The last time I touched a basketball was like four days before my daughter was born. So maybe like around September 8th, September 9th. Uh-huh. And I can genuinely say I, I don't miss it. That's which when you is know crazy, you're ready. Which is yeah. crazy because when I, when initially when she was born and I was like, and I didn't have anything and I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to do this dad thing. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know I'm going to start getting that itch in a couple of weeks. And like, I didn't want to close the door yet. Like basically when my daughter was born, I was like, let's see what happens. Like, let's see how the next couple of weeks, the next month goes. Let's see how I'm feeling, how we're doing with the baby. Like, let's get into a rhythm and like kind of figure this out. And like two weeks went by, four weeks went by, six weeks went by. And everyone around me, like my wife, my family, even my agent, like everyone's calling me and be like, so like, do you like, are you getting the itch to get back out there? Like, do you miss it? And like, it was weird for me because basketball has been like, it was like my first like true love since I was a kid. Like it's been my whole life has been basketball. And it's crazy because I think my experience in the NBA and like the business side of things has made me come to the point where I was like, I love basketball. I still watch it every day and love and clearly like, I love to talk about it, but I don't love the business of it at the end of the day. And it really, my experiences of like being traded, blindsided, waived, like all these different kind of things, like it's really opened my eyes to the fact that like the NBA and just professional basketball in general, it's not all that you think it's going to be when you're a seven, eight year old boy, like as having that as your dream. Now, granted, like, everyone has a different experience. Like I'm sure if you ask Steph Curry or LeBron, like their experience is, you know, very different than mine because that, you know, they control their own fate most of the time in yeah. terms of like, you're not, not going to get traded the next day. They're not going to have to move their family to, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan the next day. Um, so from that aspect, it kind of like helped me be at ease and at peace with my decision because I was like, look, like, if this is the path I'm going to be on, it's not making me happy anymore. And um, if I'm not, if I'm not missing the game and I'm not like in love with that process of the day-to-day grind of like what it takes to be up here, then I was like, I don't need it anymore. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's allowed me to get to a point where I'm kind of, you know, ready to move on and find out what my next chapter looks like. Um, But again, it's been a blessing because these last two months, like it's really been the first time in my life where I haven't like had anything that's like pulling me every day in terms of like all these crazy commitments and travel and whatnot. And so it's been very peaceful in a sense, even with all the crying and diapers, diaper changes <laughs> in one, one spot with, you know, my wife and my baby. And like, I don't have anything else going on. Like I can just focus on this. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's been everything I thought I, it's been everything I thought it would be and more. And again, I think it's the joy that I've had from these last two months is also, like I said, helped me get to the point where I'm like, I don't need 
I don't need the basketball part in order to be happy anymore. Yeah. Which is, I never thought I'd say that. Never thought I, I'd say that. It is. It's crazy when you finally hang it up, you miss. There's things you miss and obviously playing. Uh, but the, you didn't miss the bullshit. Like I didn't miss. I was I would walk away and I was like, there's I missed the locker room. I missed the fun things, but I didn't miss the, the bullshit. It was just yeah. something. And we know like we've talked about overseas basketball and I know. Uh, you've had conversations and we've had conversations about overseas basketball and your experience. And I quote, because you were on Instagram, uh, like, what was it last week? Oh yeah. And you said <clears throat> about, uh, Dusko Ivanovic, uh, played for him at Basconia and legit feel like I was in the military every camp every day. Took all the fun out of basketball for me. His ideology is backwards in the way that you, if you lose, he sees it being because you didn't work hard enough, and therefore you get punished by running the next day. He's the sole reason that I refuse to ever play in Europe again. I applauded you when you did. I was like, this is incredible. I texted you like right away. I was like, I love this because it is. There's coaches there don't really understand. And you talked about controlling your own destiny. Over there, you control even little less than you do in the G League. Like You control nothing. You go over there. Yeah. And they, you are their bitch. And if you say no, they'll be like, see ya. And that's the toughest thing is you play for a coach like this who's going to be up crazy and everyone just has to kind of deal with it. No, and and um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, again, when I made that comment, first of all, I was crazy that it blew up the way it did because, like, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize that my um, word carried that much weight. Um but even like reading some of the comments to my um, to my statement, you know, some and especially like European fans are like, well, they were like, you know, you guys make so much money. Like, it's only right you earn. It's only right you earn it. And like, he's making sure that you earn it. And I'm like, this is exactly what I mean by the ideology is backwards yes. where it's like you're going to earn every penny that we pay. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like, yeah, because we're paying you that much, we're going to make you suffer. We're going to make you, we're going to make sure that you earn every set, every cent. And I'm like, are we not trying to win here? <laughs> like, is like, are we not on the same page? Like I understand, like as athletes, we are compensated financially. And again, don't get me wrong about this whole thing. Like, I am able to live a life that I never thought I'd be able to live because of the financial stability that basketball has given me. And I'm so grateful for that. I I really am so grateful. Um, but at the same time, like with that Europe, with the European stuff, I'm like, just because you want me to earn every penny doesn't mean you have to run us into the ground. Like if the objective at the end of the day is to win basketball games would you not want your players to come into the game feeling good, mm -hmm. healthy, confident, mentally, you know, focused and ready to go? That's at least in the NBA. This is where I feel like the NBA does it right, where it is all about when the lights come on, we're going to like we want you to be ready and feeling good. Whereas in Europe, it's again, it's more like, oh, you lost last game. We're going to make you pay. <laughs> you will you will suffer for losing this game. And that's where I, I feel like it's just like I said, a little bit backwards where it's like you don't lose games solely because you didn't work hard enough in practice. There's so many more factors that go into it, you know, whether it's um, you know, knowing your personnel, like, you know, preparation on the scouting report, um, you know, just the chemistry and continuity of the players yeah. on your team. Like there's so many different factors that go in other than, oh, you didn't run enough on these hills with like a 40 pound bag on your back before the game. Like, and that's why we lost. And so again, like I clarified after I made that initial comment and I said, I'm like, Listen, the in terms of X's and O's, like I think Dushko is like the guy knows basketball, obviously. And he like even break when he breaks down film, like clearly he has an understanding for the game that's very high. 
what I don't agree with is his tactics in terms of training. And I get it. Like in the summertime off season, sure. Like I get it. You want to push yourself. If you, uh, you don't have a game the next day, go ahead and push yourself until you throw up or until your legs are so sore that you can't sit on the toilet the next day. But like when you have a, a competitive Euro league game the next day, why would you want to run your players into the ground and have them not physically ready to play because now it's just a downward spiral. Now we're coming into the game. We're tired. We're beat up. We're injured. We're like mentally fatigued and we're not playing well again. And because we don't play well again, now you punish us even more the next practice. And it's like, it kind of just builds on itself. And again, that's where, that's where my, my comment came from was from that place where I'm like, I just don't agree with that style of coaching. Like I think, and I think a lot of the coaches in the NBA now have come to an understanding where it's like, you want your players to feel good coming into a game and overseas. It's like, Oh, you're not feeling good. Like we'll inject you with this needle to make sure your knees numb. And Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? And again, that, that was part of my issue in Spain was like, and I acknowledge it, like my year in Spain was a disaster, partly because I came in and I was hurt already. Like I was dealing with a knee issue that was strictly from overuse. And then you tack on the fact that like, you know, Dusko comes in and we're doing two practices a day in the middle of the season. Like my knee just was never recovering to a point where I came into a game feeling good. And I'm like, yeah taking six Advil before the game, eight Advil before the game, just like upping the dose to like get by. And I'm like telling the, you know, I'm telling the team staff, like, look, like if you want me to go all out for the game, like you need to give me some slack on like an off day, like like, at least give me an off day once a week. Like (laughs) we were sometimes going like three weeks without an off day. And again, it takes me back where like a lot of these fans overseas, they're like, well, you get paid so much. And like, I only make this amount and I work 12 hours a day. And like, yeah, you should, you shouldn't have an off day. Like you should be grinding every single day. And I'm like, that's not how professional sports works. That's not how the body works. Like your body needs rest in order to perform at this kind of level. Like everyone knows that it's common, it's common sense, but like, you, you think it's common sense, but they really don't, they don't believe in that there. It's just a different style. And so again, works for some people. Um, for me, I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy that part of it. And that's why, again, like I'm into this um, crossroads in my life where I was like, if I want to continue playing, I felt like staying here in the U S was my only option because I was scarred from my experience there. And people were again on the comments underneath were like, you can't let one coach, you can't let one coach like, you know, affect your whole experience in Europe and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I, I get that to a certain extent, but it's like, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, not every coach is to that level, but again, the mentality in general is more to that side of things in terms of like, we're going to make you earn every single penny here and yep. like, we're going to bring you into the ground. And again, Dushko wasn't someone that I came in to play for we had a pre we had a coach previous to him and he got fired and then they brought in Dushko. and so again it's one of those things where it's like that could happen to any and that it just happened like he just got hired by i think the team in belgrade red star uh-huh. um, and that's why like this whole this whole comment came about is because he got hired and his first practice with the team was six and a half hours <laughs> And so all former players like Wade Baldwin made a comment, some other Shane Larkin, I think, or no, Mike James made a comment about it. Like a lot of guys were commenting on it, how like insane it was. And that's what my comment was based off of too, is I was like, dude, it's your first practice with the team. And it's like, you practice, you practice for them, you pra- make them practice for six and a half hours. And it's like, they have a game the next day. And it's like, I get it. You're old school and your mentality and like in your approach, but like, it's 2022 and I just think the like the knowledge that we have about the body and like the medical staffs what they understand like I think there needs to be some kind of a middle ground where yeah. it's, like, I get it you want to be like hard nose and like you want to have like a military style thing but like you could also take it a step back and still have your players like super in shape and super ready to go and um yeah it's just it's different there it's super different.
It really some is. Love it. Some people love it. I yeah. don't know. Did, I, like, I'm sure you have some, you have some former teammates that probably like love their experience over there. So it's, it's different for everyone. Yeah. hundred percent. I think people, people, some people, you know, enjoyed that aspect of it. It almost reminded them college, but I always, that's what my, your thought process, like the ideology, we already did that. Like we did it in high school and college where that was the structure of just like running and discipline and everything like that. So when we made it to pro, you're like, all right, we're past that. This works for, you know, some of these young European players who are developing and may make it to the NBA one day, but like, we've already been there. So it's like, we've already put our bodies through that. So now we're here to play. And just like, I was like running. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like running around a field. I'm like, why? Like, what? what the fuck? Like, why are we doing this again? Like, there's a gym in there. We could have run around the gym. Why do we have to run around this grass patch? And it just never made sense to me. But it's, it is, there's like a form of mental power that they want to hold and just be like, no, you're going to run in this field like cattle. And I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) Like, yes, I'm getting paid a lot of money, but this is fucking stupid. (laughs) And and again, like, I, I can also see how, like, my comment that was on Instagram comes off as like, oh, this guy's soft and he doesn't want to work hard. Mm. And like he doesn't want to, you know, he's not about that grind. Like, dude, you can, and again, you can, you've seen it because you've been in the gym with me. Like, dude, in the summer, there's those sessions where we had to stop because I sweat through my shoes. <laughs> like I had to physically get off the court because it was no longer safe for me to be yes. because I would take a step and sweat would squirt out the side of my shoe because we were going so hard. And it's like, I'm all for the grind, especially in the summer in the off season, I'm all about getting better. Um, but like there needs to be, you know, everyone says like working hard and working smart. Like, there needs to be some kind of a middle ground when you have in the middle of a season with games, like there needs to be, you know, some kind of, and this is where it's also different in Europe. Like the medical staff doesn't have a whole lot of say or power at the end mm-hmm. of the game. In the NBA, the medical staff that now pretty much determine on a day-to-day basis, what players are allowed to do based on what they're, load was from the day before like if you had played 40 minutes the day before the next day when you come in for practice maybe some like light jump shooting whatever but like you're not going live um you get your lift in you get your like individual work in you get some treatment but like you're not expected to like run for an hour the next day when you just played you know a 40 minute game or a back-to-back or whatever and um i guess that's where it's just like not fully caught up yet where those medical staffs in spain or overseas like i think they understand what's right but they don't have the power to like the coach runs the club pretty much the coach determines what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis and the medical staff is kind of just there to like almost band-aid the players or give them injections (laughs) when they're falling apart and i'm like "Eh, that's not really the best way to like win i guess um but again everyone's everyone's different with the way they think so i'm not gonna like again i um i would like to say like maybe i should apologize to like dushko for like (laughs) ever if he read my comments or is like upset (laughs) i said like dude i'm i apologize maybe it wasn't the best way to go about like putting him on blast but it was also just one of those situations where like i saw the post about them practicing six and a half hours and i'm like Dude, some people just never change, man. Yeah. That's why this was like, I was pissed and I just like wrote the comment, but hopefully what I just said like clarifies. A hundred percent. And, you know, there, a little bit of that. There's, I mean, that's, that's what I love about these discussions is there's such different styles here and there. And when you have a player who's played at both, that's what makes it so interesting. And you've done both. <clears throat> and that was great because the comment, any comment t- taken out of context is is could could end up you know stirring ruffling feathers. I remember reading through the comments. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because I looked at it as how I've I lived it, and I'm like, I you know I'm overseas fan. Like we talk overseas basketball, so I have I have appreciation for overseas basketball. But there is that that wildness that still is 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 very apparent in in some of these coaches that old school mentality and like you said it's 2022 everything's adapting everything's growing 
And some of these coaches, it's it's good for your younger players. It's not great for the Americans. And yeah. when we don't have the power to really be able to step in and say, hey, you know, I'm not doing this. Like yeah. Mike, I know Mike James was, was like, I would have just walked out of practice. And Mike yeah. has that power as one yeah. of the top players, uh, you know, in overseas basketball. He's like, nah, fuck this, I'm out. And he could do that. But there's yeah. a lot of guys who just kind of su- suffer in silence like you did. And, you know, like guys who just, our our first time overseas players, you just kind of suffer in silence and you're like, this sucks. So when you have that platform, I think it's important, uh, you know, like you did to, to kind of express and you, we've talked about this before. You have such a knack for this. So I know, you know, that next stage when you're, when you're getting to maybe broadcasting or starting to, you know, do your own thing. It's, it's great because you really have a, a good flow and a good way with this Nick. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, definitely. I don't, Again, we'll see what the next chapter uh, brings for me. Like I actually this year I'm starting to do um, I've already started to do a little podcast uh, for like Michigan basketball. So I'll be doing a bunch of like Michigan games this year um, and kind of just keeping in touch with that. But, no, I think for sure, whatever I do next, it's I think it's going to involve basketball. Like it is, you know, like I said, my first like true love since I was a kid and something I just brings me a lot of joy and I still love talking about it. Uh, and I feel like I do have a, a good amount of knowledge about the game. So we'll see where I end up. I would love to continue in this space somewhere. Um, but again, yeah, we'll see. I'm not really going to rush into anything yet. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm really enjoying you know, my time with my wife and my daughter for now and kind of like just figuring out what's uh, what's going to come next, but it's all exciting stuff. It's all super exciting stuff. I love it. And, uh, that's the most important thing is, you know, what you're, what you're planning that next step and, you know, spending it with your family. And I also love the fact that we were able to get a uh, sweat shoe reference. I was trying to figure out how I can jam it in there, but you got it there, the sweat shoe. Cause I remember that was, that was, that was pretty impressive. And it was, it, it, I, I'm going to say it was like 90% dude. I would say 80% due to like how hard I was working 20% due to the fact that the AC was not going busted. It was busted in the middle of August. And so like that gym was, that gym was freaking hot, man. Like, yeah. It I remember we would like go through our warm up of like, just so like some like spot shooting and light movement. And I was already, you know, just full game sweat. So, but no, I love those times, man. Like, honestly, yeah. if there's like a part of like those like grinded out days in the summer that I almost like I enjoyed them more than the actual games themselves, which is so weird because like most guys are like, man, I just want to hoop. Like, I just want to play five on five. But for me, there was like something about being in a gym alone, like just, you know, getting shots up or working on my game that was like therapeutic almost, you know? Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Everyone, everyone's different, but I, that was like one of my favorite things about basketball was just like having that time alone in the gym. I love it. Well, Nick, thank you so much for hopping on today, telling your story uh, the past year and also kind of, you know, clarifying some of those comments about overseas basketball. It was super cool to have you on. I appreciate you having me. Hopefully we can, uh, we can do this again sometime soon. We'll get some more, uh, some more hoops to talk about. I love it. Uh, the show brought to you by Loop Mogul Athletes Led Sports Gaming Metaverse, powered by virtual real estate academies, games, meta shops for brands and fans with real in life rewards. Nick, this has been the Overseas Famous Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>